Eva Marie is here. And if you guys don't know, well, let's be honest. You probably know. Let's just be honest with ourselves. You know who it is. You know who this lady is. This beautiful, pink, pink haired, gorgeous, tall woman. My oh, I goodness. Like I like that. We're starting off yeah. good. Compliments well, everything. If people aren't starting every show with you at that point where that is just their intro to you, you just need to like Zoom, click off, buy, try again. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But it's uh, amazing to finally get to sit down with you. You and I have known each other now, which it feels like it's been a lifetime, but we discussed it. It's only been almost not even a full year that you and oh. I have got to know one another. I know, which is insane because I think you had texted me the other uh, day saying like two years and I'm like, mm, let me look, let me look at this little text. <laughs> and then I think at that time, which was a couple months ago, it was only like six months, which is mm -hmm. wild. It's so wild. I know. I feel like I've... Uh... You've, you've, you've been in my life forever, which is just the oddest thing. So I wanted to sit down with you though, in a little bit of a different setting to kind of give people an insight to the side of you that maybe they don't see, or the side of you that you're going to potentially allow me to bring out in you today, which uh, not a lot of people do see. And I think it's important because you are a really dynamic human being. You are the type of person who has way more under the hood than you want to admit. And you've been through a hell of a life. And I think there's incredible lessons to be learned when having conversations with you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So let's, let's kick off. I want to go way, way back there for a minute because I want to understand and I want people to understand maybe how you got to where you are and maybe why you are the way you are. Meaning you're, you're a hardened female. You are the type of woman that I want. If I had a little girl, I would want to look up to because you don't let people push you around. You don't let situations uh, control you, you control them and your outcomes really are magnificent and when i'm talking about that i'm i'm alluding to how did you how did you get to the point where you wanted to be a wrestler how did you get to the point where you decided i'm going to take over the world and do it in a way that has never been seen before no for sure thank you um i feel like that's the the highest compliment big time and a little pressure i would say too that's okay but, pressure makes um, diamonds baby that's true uh i guess okay to to just give a little backstory mm -hmm. um and not bore everybody but uh i am yeah. the young <laughs> i am the youngest of all boys i come from a mexican italian household so anybody that is familiar with that you already know uh the household is nice and strict and in a, in a <laughs> catholic home so i think um you know instilled in me at a very very young age was this like will to win because I was always in competition with my brothers in in a competitive aspect sports being the main primary focus uh I just wanted to be like one of the boys because I wanted to hang out with my brothers I wanted them to uh play with me and allow me to play with them so for that to happen I had to uh play just like them if not better you know yeah. uh to be included in 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 things of that but it really got how I got to where I am today is soccer was my main focus growing up. That was like what I loved and what I wanted to be. That was the dream is to be a professional soccer player. And so uh, I played, I played in college and then um, I tore my ligaments in my ankle and that kind of like shattered the dream, but really doing some deep diving work in uh, what I soon ended up having to do in my recovery program because I am, I work a 12 step program. Uh, we'll get into all that heaviness mm -hmm. of, of everything, but 
Um, I celebrated 10 years of sobriety in March. So once I had to start peeling back the onion a little bit, what that really stemmed from of, yes, I tore my ligaments, but that gave me an excuse to kind of hang up the cleats. But in reality, it was that I had lost, I didn't have the full belief in myself. I always thought I was never good enough or I couldn't compete or something of that nature was like that little voice, the negative voice in in your head uh, was definitely winning at that time in my life. So um, that just gave me the excuse to, okay, well, you know, this is it and it's not not the plan for me. So hang up the cleats and finish school, uh, which thank God I did because school was not. <laughs> I wish that I was I enjoyed it more. I wish I was more into academics as I am now. But at the time, I, I really wasn't. I was just playing. I was just going to school so I could play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it got me through college. I got my degree at Cal State Fullerton. I finished. And then after I got my business degree, I was not ready to go into the business corporate world. So I remember calling my parents and being like, hey, so um, I'm actually going to move to Los Angeles and kind of go and see what it's like out there. Mm -hmm. Meaning, uh, you know, the typical total what you hear all the time where, you know, I was a bottle service girl at night and then I was going on auditions during the day. So I would get little like modeling gigs or fitness gigs, little baby like acting gigs and just enough for me to be like, oh, I like this. This is like, what is this? This is, this is, this is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to think I am the youngest of in my family. So Mexican Italian, you're loud. You're when we're having conversations, people think that we're yelling at each other. So I was always, hey humans, I know you've all been seeing me drink HVMN's ketone IQ lately. This is a game changer, jet fuel in a bottle. I use ketone IQ for everything in my life, whether it's running, cycling, podcasting, or just the extra boost that my brain needs. I won't lie, it helps push me to the next level in all things. I love ketone IQ and what HVMN stands for. Go grab some shots today at HVMN.com and use the code BRASS20 and save down to entertain you know i always wanted to steal the show in some capacities so i can get some attention so obviously going to la and and dabbling in a little bit of this uh it was fueling my fire so then i actually right place right time god put me literally in the right place at right time i went on a cattle call they don't do them anymore Uh, they called them diva searches at the time and you go to major uh cities like Los Angeles, Dallas, Las Vegas, looking for the next WWE diva. Now, obviously, everyone is called a WWE superstar, but at the time, we were divas. And I remember walking, I got the, you know, the audition, and I didn't think too much of it. I walk in to Los Angeles HQ, and I look around, and I'm like, holy shit. This is like, (laughs) there's Hulk Hogan. Um, Then I start really looking at my sheet and i'm like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute this is like back in the day when i would watch my brother's wwf styles this is it so then once i went with my first audition i got a call back and then i was like damn then i did a little bit of research and i was like wow this actually could be my dream job it has everything that i want to do infused into one not only do you have to i was missing that competitive uh edge and discipline that i had playing a sport 
and then uh, you get to create a character and act in front of a live audience, travel the world, and then on top of that, WWE does so much stuff within the community. So you have so much outreach stuff with uh, Make-A-Wish. Uh, I've got to go to Afghanistan twice to visit our troops. Uh, so it had everything that I wanted to do literally in one spot. So I was like, this is it. Let, let's go. Like, I want this. So then I got a callback, another callback. Uh, I think there was three or four callbacks. And then, uh, and you have to think it's catacall. So there's thousands of girls. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm like, God, thank you. Because that is the pivotal moment in my life that everything changed for me. And then I got to the last part of that. And it was a four-week in-ring tryout to see if you could handle the physicality. And I fell in love with it. I'm, not, I'm a field athlete. I like to keep my feet on the floor. But wrestling is obviously definitely not that. And I remember running the ropes and doing like forward and uh, back rolls in the ring and I'm like, oh my God, this is wild. Like, this is so different, but it was feeding that athlete in me. Right. So I went hard. I got the developmental contract after the four weeks and uh, my life was gonna change. But then another God moment was at that same exact time, WWE was in the process of producing a reality TV show, which, ended up being called Total Divas and they were going back and forth with the last two cast members and they decided instead of picking two girls that were already in developmental, they wanted two fresh girls that knew nothing about wrestling, didn't know how to wrestle, just coming in like fresh out the, out the gate. And so uh, I got a call saying, hey, will you come in for this kind of like sit down uh, interview audition? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? And so I, I go in and it's the producer at Russell, shout out to Russell, uh, you know, Murray. And it was just like a three hour conversation of like a therapy session, kind of like what, what we're doing today. Mm -hmm. And um, and then he said, okay, well, thank you so much. Just to let you know, if you get this, you're, we're starting literally very soon. And I'm like, okay. So I've only had this feeling maybe once or twice in my life where I walked out of that audition. And I remember calling Jonathan. He was then, we were just dating. And I was like, I motherfucking murdered that. Like, I, mm. got, I got that. And so that was a Friday. I called Jonathan. We end up packing up the car. So because he hadn't met my family yet. We drove up to the Bay Area where I'm from so he could meet my family. On Saturday, <clears throat> WWE called me and said, pack your suitcase, start <laughs> your, uh, you're going to WrestleMania first day on the job on Monday. And they mentioned something about changing my hair color because at the time my hair color was black. And there were so many girls <clears throat> that previously left the WWE that were like platinum blonde. Mm. And so they said, um, what would you think about, you know, possibly dyeing your hair blonde so that way you don't get confused with the other castmates? But I had, it kind of went in one ear and out the other because I was so ecstatic that I had got the job that I was like, I don't give a fuck, like, <laughs> ever. Um, so that was a cool moment just because I got to share it with my family. Uh, and then Sunday, Jonathan asked my dad for my hand in marriage. And I was then basically... He hadn't really obviously proposed, but he got the approval. So in a sense, mm -hmm. engaged. And then I was on a plane uh, 
to WrestleMania and I never looked back. Damn. Damn. That's a, that's a cliff notes story, but yeah. That's the cliff I mean, notes for sure. Shit. That's a call, man. That's a call and a half. Like too bad you didn't record that moment. My God. I know. I, I wish I, that I did, but I'll never forget it because it's, it is engraved in my head that, uh, and that was 10 years, like dec a decade ago. So the memory is weird. Like the mind is odd because some things that happened, say yesterday, I totally don't remember, but mm -hmm. there's some things in my life that I can recall, like, uh, no, no other. And that's definitely one of them because it was a, a pivotal, fully God moment. And thank God that I was sober as well, or else I wouldn't have been able to take that opportunity and seize it. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, because I mean, you are hosting, uh, co-hosting a new show that you've been uh, working through now, and you do work the 12-step program. You are pretty honest. You're, you're incredibly honest about your journey through sobriety and your journey through what it took to get you to that. But I want to walk back a little bit because, you know, alcohol is a funny thing. Alcohol is a funny, funny thing, right? We have a society that promotes it and actively puts it into situations where we're like, no, it's fine. Just have a drink or no, it's not a big deal. Just have one more. And we, it's socially acceptable. It's in business meetings. If you don't drink and you take a client out, it looks weird. You're the strange one. You're the different one, but yet we, we promote it in a way that it's almost like you're promoting a healthy salad. Like we should be having it. You should have a drink. You should calm down at the end of the day with a book and a nice glass of wine. Like, why? Why is alcohol this thing that we perpetuate that it's a positive in everyone's life? I just, I've never understood it. But for you, you were in the environment, you were in LA, you were a bottle girl, you were this type of person where this was just a part of life. At what point did you realize that alcohol started to become an issue for you? And was that a behavior that you had prior to going to LA that was kind of something that was around? So I think for me, it's a little bit different and, and people have different stories, but I definitely think that I carry the genetic gene of addiction. Um, I never got to meet my grandfather on my dad's side because he passed away from cirrhosis of the liver when my dad was like 16. So, um, and then myself and all my brothers, we definitely have the addict, the uh, alcoholic-ism in us. So I feel like it, it was definitely kind of genetically just in me from the get. I didn't really pursue, I guess, or really dive into my addiction until I moved from my away from my parents' house, because obviously I live in a, a strict household, so I couldn't really, and I was so driven and disciplined in playing soccer that I had a purpose and I had people counting on me <clears throat> and, you know, being a team captain or whatever, I had to show up. And I, it was something that I loved to do and I loved to compete. So as soon as I, as soon as that actually left my life, I feel like that's really when my addiction started to really uh, blossom, I guess you could say. But I have the, always the tendency of like the alcoholic brain of, uh, I always say, you know, I think all of us have two people or two voices. Um, one is good or one is you know, great. And the other one <clears throat> is the devil and mine likes, she does not take days off. Like that bitch is in the gym 24 seven. She just wants to take me out every single day. So it's like, I have that negative talk probably more than the average person. And so that always was in me, even like really young, mm -hmm. which obviously 
spilled into me not thinking I was good enough to compete on a higher level, even though I had the accolades and, and I was accomplishing things. It just, it's still, that voice was continuously winning a lot. Um, but then when I moved away for college, and obviously in college years, it's like normal to party. It's like, mm -hmm. that's your time to, you know, figure, figure yourself out, explore, whatever. And so that's really when things started to pick up for me and it started to spiral out of control because uh, it was apparent that I had a problem because I would uh, multiple DUIs. And then my senior year of college is really when it came to a full front of, <clears throat> I remember going and having to stand in front of a judge. And I, uh, I obviously didn't have the money to pay the fines that I had previously gotten and so basically he said okay well, I'm gonna allow it because you're in school I'm gonna allow you to graduate and then a week after you graduate you have to come turn yourself in and then I did uh 60 days in jail so that was really like a hey there humans I know you guys have seen it that crown on the top of my head well that is from three horses hat co and they are 100 percent beaver felt hats that's the highest quality hat you can get and each one is handmade in Nashville, Tennessee. Three Horses does both custom and one-off hats. They've never made the same hat twice. So if you design your own, they'll never make it again. If you feel like you can't find a hat that fits your style, that's all right. Go check out Three Horses Hat Co. Use the code BRASS. Get 15% off. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. Whoa moment, but that's not what, as soon as I did my, I guess, per se, my jail time, yeah, yeah, your that time. Crazy. Um, I was fully back in my addiction twelve hours as soon as I was released. So, but I was I I was going to like AA meetings inside of jail. It was just to get out of my little cell, to be honest. But um, but yeah, and I I got to see kind of what was going on as well. I'm the type of person like even if I saw my brothers make some errors or whatnot and to think like oh, okay i probably should stay away from that i'm the type that's like ah eh, i'm much I'm, I'm probably gonna be different but no i wasn't so um that's really when it started to kind of like really spiral out of control and then i got sober for the first time because of my oldest brother my oldest brother got sober and then uh i mean his story is incredible so he without putting too much of his shit out on the street when he uh was able to come back into my life we ended up living together in orange county and that's when he said hey you need to like make a change so you should probably hit a meeting so i went to a 6 a.m alcoholics anonymous meeting in your belinda i heard this woman speak and what she spoke, she just had so much like peace and joy and happy. And that's all everything that I've always wanted of just peace of mind and uh, be content and happy. And she had that. And I was like, wow. Something that it just sparked me. She had this aura that I that I really admired. So I left that meeting and went home and my brother was like, well, did you talk to her? Did you ask her if she's taking on any uh, sponsees? Cause that's in the program, you know, you, you have, you get a sponsor and then you work the steps. And then after, <clears throat> after you work the 12 steps, then you start sponsoring other women because that's what you do. Um, acts of service. <clears throat> so I didn't, 
but then this is another God moment. So we were going to church one Sunday and we had just had the conversation about this woman, Mo, shout out to Mo. Um, and all of a sudden we're standing up and she's literally on the jumbo screen singing. And I was like, Neil, that's the lady. Like that's literally the lady that spoke at the 6 a.m. meeting. And he was like, all right, well, that's God telling you, you better go back to that 6 a.m. meeting and see if she'll, she'll take you on. So sure enough, I did. And um, she's been my sponsor ever since. Wow. Mm -hmm. it, isn't that beautiful? Those moments where those people show up just right, right place, right time, and they affect the rest of your life. And you can't quite understand why or how it happens, but they do. They're just there. And it's profound. For sure. But it's also one of those things where I feel like as I get older, it's really being awake and aware of those little signs. Like if I wasn't sober at that particular moment, would I have even realized that was her? I don't know. Mm. I mean, but thank God that I was, and I was willing to then take the action to go back to that meeting and speak to her because there's a lot of opportunities that we get, or there's a lot of signs or a lot of things I feel like that happen with us every single day, but we just kind of don't pay attention to, you know, mm -hmm. and that's where, uh, I'm really happy with the fact that I leaned in on it and it got the got the sponsor started working the steps. Things started coming back in my life. You hear about it in the program. Anybody familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 steps, they, they call them the promises. And so once you start working the steps, um, little things, I was starting to be, become like a regular member of society again. I got my driver's license back, like normal things. And uh, after three years, I thought that I'm good. I thought I graduated. I'm all right. I was young. Thank you. I called up my sponsor and I was like, Mo, thank you so much. I love you. I appreciate you, but I think I'm good. And she's like, Oh, it's definitely, I don't, oh, really, no. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really recommend that, but, uh, okay. Say la vie. And so for like nine months, I basically white knuckled it, meaning wasn't working a program, but was sober. But I guess you, people call them like dry drunks because you have the alcohol alcoholic mind so for me like obviously anybody in addiction or alcoholism removing the substance or or the drink is primarily the main focus initially but then after you remove that then you have to deal with your brain your brain you know it's a twofold disease it's like um obsession of the mind and a physical allergy so now you're dealing with your chaos and if you're not constantly working at that every single day you can be sober and still have a chaotic life and not be happy and not be peaceful and not be fulfilled. So that's basically what those nine months started to like kind of trickle and happen. And then soon enough, you know, I picked up and then it was like running and gunning again for like two years. And then finally, uh, that's when WWE, the audition came back into my life. My now husband came back into my life. And that was like another pivotal moment where I was like, damn, I need to like, I need to get sober or else I'm gonna lose everything that I've always dreamt of and, and wanted. So I called her back up with my tail between my legs and asked if she would take me back as a sponsee and, and she did. Man, you got some patient people in that community. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you have to be. I mean, we're humans and we go through these human experiences, whether we want to admit the difficulty or the, the repercussions they have on our life. But if you're not conscious of the decisions you're making, the actions, and how you're showing up every day, I can see how that voice gets louder and louder and louder. And those are, I think, 
things that you and I had in common when we first met is like, we both have this understanding of what that sounds like and what that feels like and how that can overtake your life so quickly. If you're not conscious, consciously working on it and consciously putting yourself in the best mindset that you possibly can. But for you, mindset seems to be something on the outside of someone to look on your Instagram or to look at your NEMFIT or to look at what you kind of do, you know, your mindset seems dialed the way you act every day seems very, um, you hold yourself accountable. You show up every day, the way that you uh, present yourself on social is the way you are in real life. And I know that because I've had the privilege of getting to know you outside of social media and all of these things that you do by putting yourself out there, but with your mindset and with having that voice in your head, how is it influenced the way that you look at health and your fitness? Because I know that fitness being a big part of your life as an athlete with soccer before, I mean, carrying that through into being a professional wrestler, which is arguably just one of the most painful jobs you could put yourself into. Let's be honest with ourselves here for like oh, for two sure. seconds. For sure, for oh. sure. Yeah. How, so how has that like influenced uh, fitness been an influence in your life throughout, you know, um, addiction through recovery into the life you have now? Oh, for sure. I feel like it all plays. It's like a, everything correlates together. So it's like mind, body, soul. So my mind has to work out every day. My body has to work out every day. And then my soul, meaning, you know, my prayers, my meditation and, and staying spiritually fit is something that is one of those things are you hear a lot of people talk about them like non-negotiables because when I don't do those things, I don't feel good. And I'm not the best person that I can be as a friend, as a wife, as a daughter, um, as a business partner, etc. And ultimately what I've realized is like your mind can either take you um, into something or it can take you out of it. So I have direct control over that. And I think that's what's um, amazing about, you know, working a program and everything. Even when I did call my sponsor back up, she's dope. She's like, well, you know the deal. So meaning um, mm -hmm. if you're going to do this and if you want me to sponsor you again, you know that you have what is required, meaning there's a hope and a wish and a prayer, but if you don't have any action behind that, nothing is going to happen for you. Same right. with same with your mindset. If you're not actively practicing it every single day, um, and it's tough. Like this shit is hard. Like that's the thing is like it's not one of those. It's it's it might seem easy now because it looks like I have my shit together, but I have to constantly work at it because it could go away in a blink of an eye. The moment that I rest on my laurels, the moment that I don't start showing up for myself and trust me there's days that i don't 90 percent of the time i don't even want to get a workout in but i like the feeling after i work out so it's like i'm working out not only for the physical and the health benefits and obviously aesthetically as well i'd be lying if i said um mm -hmm. that that wasn't one of the 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 drives behind staying physically fit but also um even there's so much science coming out about what physical activity does for you even i tell people that in my in nemfit programs if you're just starting out to fitness it's super overwhelming i get it you don't want to go to a busy gym you see so many people there it's like oh i don't know like what equipment to do i don't know what program to do etc but the thing is all i'm i want someone to start doing is move your body for 30 minutes i tell my parents walk 30 minutes 30 minutes a day or try to get 10,000 steps in a day and drink a gallon of water. Something that anybody can do if they're physically able to obviously, you know, mm -hmm. walk. Um, 
do that because the benefits are outstanding in the sense of like the release of serotonin, dopamine, everything in the, the chemicals that in your brain that you need to feel good do get released when you are working out. And plus, if you get a hard workout in, I'm like so much cooler throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I'm like able to just be, breathe and feel like I accomplished something. Even if my day is shit, if I got in a workout, it's like, cool, I got a, I got a W in for the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I feel like it all ties in together is because your mind, your body, and your soul is like, you get one. So how are you going to treat it? And how are you going to feed it? You can feed it good or you can feed it bad. And I want to feed mine continuously good because I know what it feels like to be, to have it on the flip side of not working out, eating like shit, um, being in my, heavy in my addiction. It's terrible. It's so much pain, misery. Um, It brings out the worst of me and I don't want to live like that. So it's like, okay, do I want to struggle and be in discomfort and a little bit of pain because I have to do a little bit of hard work? Well, I guess so. I mean, it's it's hard to explain it to say newcomers or people that are attempting to make a massive shift in their life. We see that with our group that we have as well. You have people that the mind is there, but the follow through is not quite 100%. And you try to express this is why you drink the water. This is why you move the body. This is why you don't eat the bullshit. But it's hard because if people have not been on the other side of it to truly know how good you can feel and to the extent that it can better your life, it is hard to say convince people because these ways are so much easier. They're, they're, they're the short term, they're the quick solution. But for longevity, you're going to feel worse. You're going to struggle harder. And people just don't see that. I think it's one of those things when I sponsor girls, like even my sponsor tells me that I'm, I'm pretty hard and it's because one, I don't have time. I don't have time for the nonsense. You as an individual have to come to a point in your life, whether you're an addict or not. Um, I feel like this is for anybody. When you come to a point where you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you will make the change. Like I always do this in the sense of even today, like, uh, you know, when you are in so much pain or discomfort or you don't like the way you feel, that's when you need to make a change. That's when you need to make a move. And that could be you're in a a shitty relationship. If you're tired of being in that relationship, you got to bounce. You got to You have the full control to change your life. And this is one of those things that I feel like people, um, just live in so much fear or complacency and complacency will kill you. You have to constantly be moving and shaking and it's all dependent on you. Obviously, you know, things and opportunities are not in your control, right? Mm -hmm. But you can directly control the food you eat, how much you move your body, how much water you take in. Those are three things on a daily basis that we all have control over. And if you're doing just a little bit where it's like, I know people get overwhelmed with it, but it's like, you got to take baby steps. And sometimes just the little, little bit, 30 minutes of walking, that's where it starts. That's where it, it all of a sudden, you know, blossoms into something. But people that want to stay in the rut, well, I'm like, well, then why are you here? Why do you want me to sponsor you then? 
Like, what's up? Obviously, you're not feeling good. Obviously, you're in so much pain that you want to make a change. So what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Are you going to yeah. just like continue to complain and talk to me about it? Because we can do that all day and be doing circles. That's not mm-hmm. going to do anything for anybody, you know? Yeah. But no. it's hard. The person has to come to the, the choice themselves. Yeah, that's the hard part is you can't force anybody there. And if they that's don't the- come to it, they never come to it. That's not on you. And that's the saddest thing is like, and I think why I'm so passionate about like using, I used to be in so much shame about my addiction and my alcoholism that I want, that I almost kind of lived a double life because I didn't want people to think of, uh, that I was weak. Um, Mm -hmm. and I made a decision like with my, my husband and my family that in season one of Total Divas that I was going to be the first one to like kind of tell the world or I guess tell on the reality show um, what I struggle with and what I battle with. So that way, because it is reality TV, right? So that way I was so scared that one day, like all of a sudden, one of the girls was going to be like, oh my gosh, Eva Marie, this is her, like it's my mugshot, right? So then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I'm trying to like, fix that narrative instead I took that narrative as my own and that's powerful when you own all your shit and your story your journey no one can use that against you it's like what I'm an open book Hmm. yeah I've totally made mistakes I've totally messed up um there's things that I'm definitely not proud of but I've worked through that and look at me now so when you own your story then no one can use it against you and no one can hurt you by that you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's really powerful too. grabbing on to your reality and your story and making it so that nobody else can use it against you. It's a, it's a tool that people do love to do. They love to expose people on social media. They love to call people out, you know, anything people are vindictive nowadays. And if it's a storyline, especially with a reality TV like that, of course, they're going to use that against you. It's drama. And don't get it twisted. Like, you know, people, um, especially hurt people, you know, they, they will, they like to see your downfall. They want to see you fall. They want to see you slip. Um, and kind of going back on what you said, you know, it's it's really hard with somebody that's struggling with like either mental illness or, or addiction or, or whatnot. You can heat a, lean. You have the cliche saying you could lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. That's the toughest. That's the toughest one is when you see it and you see a potential in somebody and you see they're so beautiful, so bright. Oh, my goodness. Here comes in a little a little cameo from um chad the other host of the hopeaholics mm-hmm. podcast um and do you want to say hi everybody well you have to now you, you can't just you, you literally sorry. have no choice now all right chad this is kelsey kelsey will eventually come on our podcast as well hello chad nice to meet you um you. chad is the man he's the uh ceo i like to call him because he is he is uh the master behind everything that we're doing over here with I the Hope Holics and then the new uh, NEM Recovery Center. Dude, I, that's that's the what I want. There are a couple of things I want to talk to you, but before we get into the Recovery Center, because the Recovery Center is definitely on my list of importance, um, and Hope Holics, because that's a new fancy. a new shtick for you. He does look fancy. I want you to talk to me a little bit about the your Sunday workouts because it seems yeah. like with fitness being such a big proponent of your life, but then getting the opportunity to go be involved in an active war zone and show up for troops. Was there 
Is that how it got correlated? Did it happen naturally? What brought that on for you? Um, well, my dad, you know, Vietnam veteran, so he served as a Marine. So very young, I feel like I was instilled in us kind of a uh, Marine lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So military has always been strong in our family. Uh, we've always very much taken pride in our military because the freedom that we have today is because of those guys that are, you know, giving their their lives to go fight for our freedom. And that was taught to myself and my brothers at a really young. And then uh, being in WWE and being able to actually go and step foot on, in Afghanistan and see the men and women that are in, in the service is, is super something that I'm just, uh, it's one of those, those things that it's like, you know, there are heroes. And so mm-hmm. for me, as soon as I got, God gave me my platform. And then because fitness is so heavy in my life, just from, I guess, even career wise, being a WWE superstar. And then um, it's just been who I am since I was a kid that it was important. Sundays are always church days, God days, uh, family days, and hero. Our hero wad Sundays are something that is important you know to never forget the people that have fallen that have given the ultimate sacrifice for us to do what we do on a daily basis so it's like when my bitch voice wants to i'm tired or this and that i'm like whoa 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 i get to go work out like this is crazy um these guys don't have a chance their families don't have the mom or the dad anymore so being able to honor them in some capacity as well as getting in a, a nice workout is something that I feel is just goes hand in hand. I think it's a really beautiful example of how you can honor those individuals, whether they're with us, not uh, with us anymore or not. And it's a way that you can carry it help care. It helps to carry the weight. You know, I think the community in itself, and I'm speaking from the veteran uh, space, it's It's a hard one to be in because it's either filled with a lot of hurt and a lot of trauma or a lot of egos or a lot of this kind of, and I have to be better than you, or I have to have the platform and you don't. And we kind of forget what it means just to be in that community sometimes when we're not currently at war or a proxy war, uh, or we're not currently boots on the ground and we're not side by side. There's a disconnect that happens and there's so much to be said for sucking together, hurting together, trauma bonds, physical uh, physicality and and working out uh, alongside one another. And there's so much people can do to keep that connection. And you're one of the only people outside of maybe a handful of individuals who have platforms or choose to use their platforms for good, but still take every Sunday to acknowledge these individuals and really not only show up for them and take time to write something really quite honestly, you can see it takes effort. It, you can see that it takes research. You can see that it's it's consistent, but you show up by being the example right? You're not just posting about them and posting a photo of them. You're working your ass off to show them like, Hey, I'm doing this. I'm able to do this because of you. And I think that's what stands out. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, um, the most touching, this is, there's so many pros and cons obviously to, to social media, but leaning towards like the pros is, uh, when I have the daughters of, of, 
some of the fallen hit me in a comment or a dm saying oh my god thank you so much for honoring my dad this is amazing or something like that where it's like that's that's the whole purpose is it's living in remembrance you know that mm -hmm. these guys these women these men that they're not forgotten um yeah. what they what they have sacrificed is literally the ultimate sacrifice and yeah. for us to not forget we like to get in these like petty weird uh arguments and conversations about nonsense when it's like trying to rein it back in with this is america like mm -hmm. these guys fought for our freedom let's let's show them some respect and uh pay a little bit of tribute to them you know yeah and it's not even just the tribute in my opinion it's it's the act of of showing up like a leader should in that you know you're not posting a photo you're putting you're putting your your you know not your blood unless you trip and fall or one of the dogs bites sure. you or something ridiculous but you're <laughs> putting your sweat and you're putting your effort and you're putting you're putting importance on their name and a lot of times when we lose people they become a number whether mm -hmm. we like it or not but they become a number over time as the world goes round it happens and you take the time to say their names and saying their names is one of the most important things we can do as north americans cuz i happen to be canadian but we can hey, do hey, our other our other host is canadian too shane so you oh guys will get along when you come in the studio oh my god i feel so bad for him too does he live in america right now though yeah how's that freedom taste he loves it, good? it. loves it good good well let's let's move into the other thing that i find really um but be actually again, piggybacking on that though yeah why veterans and everything means so much to me obviously it comes from my father right right um and then the reason why that i was so um and this is another god moment you know i'm sitting in the hopeaholics podcast studio and have become one of the hosts of the hopeaholics and now have opened up uh my own NEM recovery center with the infinity group and what really stars aligned is because the infinity group chad who you just uh, met and his family they've been in the recovery business for 21 years and we have three veteran houses so my biggest thing is like veterans come back from war right and a lot of them struggle with PTSD, addiction, alcoholism, a lot of mental illness stuff that is that is going on in their brain that they need to help sort because what they've just experienced is not what the average person experiences on a daily basis. So the fact that we have three houses strictly just for our veterans uh, was something that I was like, okay, this is the team for me. I have mm -hmm. to I have to link up and join and and become a part of what they're doing because like my dad, you know, he goes to the VA and to have the proper care and place for these guys, I got to go um and meet a couple of the guys at one of the houses last week and just sit down with them and and hear their journey and their journey into getting well is what it's all about. Having a safe spot for these guys and I, I know people, I mean, you were in the military as well, and your guys' mindsets uh, are a little bit different than the average person as well, because <laughs> you're supposed to be strong and you can handle it and uh, all of those, all of those great qualities, 
But when it comes to helping yourself, sometimes, you know, it, it definitely is not the best quality. The hindrance. It is. It's a hindrance. <laughs> yeah. So having our veterans know that they can come to our place, our recovery center, and get the help that they need with fellow veterans is something that is, uh, is beautiful. It, it's very beautiful because there's not enough of it and it starts, it just has to start somewhere, right? It has to start somewhere, you know, addiction and those types of behaviors that come from trauma come as a coping mechanism. And they often stem from them over medicating us and telling us that no more T3s or more oxy or no, it's totally fine. So, you know, when the government perpetuates this behavior, it, it's going to take within the community and the civilian population to heal ourselves. We can no longer rely on the government to do it for us because they're the ones who put us in this position in the first place. So it's nice to see, it's more than nice to see it. It gives me hope that there are places that see those people for who they are and not just the hardened, stubborn individuals who don't want help, right? It's like when you pull somebody who's been, you know, in horrific trafficking for a decade of their life, they're not going to be all willing, all, yeah, help me out. I'm super for this. You know, they're going to come at you with some violence. And that's just how it is when you go through traumatic situations. The how we react is a coping mechanism to keep ourselves alive. And so the fact that you have separate uh, facilities for veterans, because very often I see this when I've gone into treatment facilities, they don't put you with civilians. <laughs> it's not a good idea because <laughs> the face melting conversations that happen very quickly can offend a lot of people when to us it's dark humor or how we cope or how we heal. Completely. So that's yeah. why it was like very important, you know, having a, a separate facility yeah. just for our, our veterans, you know, is, is super important because like you said, you know, uh, conversations are definitely going to vary. So, yeah. when with, uh, <laughs> you know, like-minded people that have experienced similar traumas or issues, it's nice when you're able to relate to somebody and through their pain and their journey, it opens you up. And uh, when you open up and when you're vulnerable, that's when you can heal. That's exactly. And that's the only way you heal too. You got to be vulnerable. You got to, you got to peel the the scabs back and you got to expose the wounds and go like, look, we got to get to the basis of this, fix the sepsis, heal you up and move you forward. It's just how it has to work. I want to talk. That's where I was moving next. I, you know, I've got a million things. It's hard because we're, no, we're going to we're gonna have to do like a part two. Well, we will do a part two because yeah. you're coming on the alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll come on. I'll come on. You just tell me the date. You tell me where I got to be, you know, I'll be there, but I, you know, there's, there's a million things and I got to step my way around some stuff. Cause I was like, uh, nope, uh, maybe, oh, maybe later, but there's the recovery center is definitely something that's really, really important to you. It's really near and dear to your heart. Um, it's really imperative that before we jump, that we, we really dive into how you, how you decided you were going to go from, you know, look, I went through this, I've been through this, which let's be honest for ourselves. Most of us aren't going to take advice from anybody who hasn't walked our path. True. So talk to me about how the recovery center came up, why it's so important and how you see it progressing and healing this, this next generation of, of trauma, really. I think for me is so kind of, I always refer back to my 12 steps because it's probably, it's what I have to do on a daily basis to have that daily reprieve. Uh, of my alcoholic mind because don't get it to, I want people to understand that even when the substance is removed like I remember being three or four years sober and um, not doing what I was supposed to be doing meaning 
not hitting my meetings, not checking in with my sponsor, not sponsoring other women, not doing my prayers, not doing my readings, not doing my writing. And I was suicidal again. So it's like, uh, it was looking back. I'm glad that I went through that because now it's like crystal clear that those, these are the things that I have to do on a daily basis to stay peaceful and to stay mm-hmm. out of pain and to stay out of that, uh, that crazy mindset but one of my things is I write a lot of things down so whatever you want to call it whether it's goals visions dreams whatever um I've gotten into the process of of writing every morning in my uh kind of morning routine and I wrote this down like a long time ago of wanting to do a recovery center I don't know how that would look. And I remember like writing it that there wasn't a specific, like, how is this going to happen? I just was like, God, can you put people in my life that can make this dream of mine come true? Because there was so much of my early 20s that I lived in that double life of being in so much shame of having a, a addiction problem. Mm-hmm. and not wanting to tell people that I work a 12-step pro- program and not wanting to tell people that I am in recovery or that I am sober. And so with uh, the stars aligning and, and me meeting the guys here at the Hopeaholics and uh, the Infinity Group, it made that dream come true. And with NEM Recovery Center is is all about breaking that stigma for men and women where it's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's a sign of weakness if you stay in your pain and your misery, because all you're doing is not only hurting yourself, but you're hurting all the people that love you around you because you are a, a tornado that's out of control. When the tornado is, is have like a, a direction in, in good, it does great things. But when it's out of control, it, it destroys everything. So for me, getting a platform and then now being able to become a host of the Hopeaholics podcast and then also open up NEM Recovery Center, it's breaking that stigma and creating a movement of, of wellness, of getting better for yourself, of taking the initiative and the action to become the best version of yourself that I know everyone is destined to be. And being, being healthy starts with the things that you directly can control. And so with NEM Recovery Center, it has everything from your top medical staffs to your case managers to nurses to uh, your psychiatrists 24-7. It has everything that you can possibly imagine that you need for treatment. And it's not like it's it's in Laguna Beach, so it's a fantastic area. And But it's not that you'd be going there on vacation. You know, everything is... You're, you're under supervision 24-7. Uh, you can't leave without a chaperone and things of that nature. So especially for parents that are listening to your podcast, <clears throat> sending your kids or something like that, like, oh, my God, am I sending my kid to Laguna Beach? Is that, like, a bad idea? No, they can't. They literally can't leave without you know, <laughs> a chaperone. But also what I think is really special is that I'm going to be physically at these treatment centers myself, leading group meetings, checking in on the patients, leading them in uh, activities, whether it's workouts or going down to the beach. I played volleyball with, uh, 
a handful of patients last week uh just to really break that uh that negative narrative around addiction where there's hope and there's light where it's like i know there's a lot of darkness in it but there's a beautiful rainbow at the end you know and life is not boring or life is not this terrible dark cloud where you can do this and we can do it together and that's the that's the thing is that and that's why being of service sponsoring other women it's all about giving what giving somebody else what you are so freely given right so the fact that i can actually have a treatment center of my own and provide people with the proper care and for them to get better and be better mothers and fathers and and just members of society is uh something that i'm truly forever grateful for and something that hasn't really sunken in yet like because yeah. everything's so fresh like it just happened um and it's just the beginning of it and so that's why you know we also we we have this move it's a it's a meeting for every single person it's called recover out loud you should join one night yeah it's on it's every tuesday it's uh 6 p.m pacific standard time the link is in my bio it's called recover out loud and this is for people that are either suffering with uh substance abuse alcoholism addiction but it's also for people that are either parent there's parents that log in because of you know they've lost a child to addiction or to a fentanyl poisoning which is literally running rampant through it's so you know what kelsey i'm so thankful that i that this current state of this fentanyl like explosion is where i wasn't in my addiction because i for sure there's a high possibility that i could have died for sure because a thousand percent people are dying off of of thinking they're getting a a prescription type obviously they're getting Mm -hmm. it from uh, a kid or something like that of a, a percocet or whatever it is but it's laced and the the amount of fentanyl that you need to actually get poisoned and die is so small it's like insane so it's it is definitely uh becoming a huge problem and so you know parents have logged into this meeting um because they need people that are dealing with other people that are in an addiction or mental illness they need a place to go to because it's hard on them it's hard on parents it's hard on uh loved ones it's hard on your boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatnot. So that's why this Zoom meeting is every Tuesday night. And so people come in, we have a a leader share for about 20 minutes, and then it opens up for everybody else to share whatever is going on um, in their life. So that's another exciting thing is, as well, is because giving people a, an outlet to see what what else is out there. Is there hope, you know, and there is. Yeah, there's there's an immense amount of hope. It's hard to see when you've got places like uh, not too far from me, but 45 minutes, we have the world's most aggressive opioid crisis happening on the east side of Vancouver. That is just it's it's gotten so out of control with open air drug markets and uh, safe injection sites, which are not safe injection sites. They're terrible. And it's it's a real struggle to watch individuals who have just given an opportunity to heal and just seen as a human being and not a liability 
could have an incredible life and thrive. And what I love about the involvement that you have with your recovery center is you don't show up as somebody who's holier than now. It's like, I've been there, I've done it, I'm over it, I moved on. And now you're at my center, how's it feel? You go in and you're pretty damn honest about like, look, I struggle with this daily. This is an ongoing thing. I work every day, I show up. And if I don't show up, I feel it. Yeah, and it's one of those things that I feel like um, I struggle with it. Like my natural state wants to be depressed. My natural yeah. state wants to be um, not, I don't, I naturally want to like lay in bed and eat food and just like not live life. That's where, that's where me naturally wants to be. Like That's your head injury talking, honey. <laughs> we talked about this. I know, totally. <laughs> we talked about this, but that that's, that's the truth though. Anybody who's been through anything, who's hit their head, who's had an addiction, who's had something or a substance that's been in through their body, it does damage to the brain, whether we want to admit it or not. And it has a direct effect on the long-term health of our ability to have happy days and depressive days and regular balanced emotions. No, for sure. And that's what, what it is. And that's why like now, um i'm so thankful and grateful and and it sounds so cliche but uh that i have a platform and it's like my duty to to kind of share uh you know what i go through and it's a fucking battle like i'd be lying if i i didn't say it wasn't you know there are amazing days of course but then there are days literally where sometimes uh, i'm crying and no particular rhyme or reason you know what i'm saying so it's like mm -hmm. and and that's okay too but it's knowing how to push through and move yeah. on so being able to be that voice like physically in our treatment centers telling these newly sober uh patients that are on their the the cusp of their journey that you can do this too what i love about you is you don't tell people, you show them. That's drastically different. Thank you. You don't try, you do. You don't talk, you show. That's why you're so different. That's why people flock to you. That's why your platform is what it is. And that's why people around you, it's a, you can call them God moments. You can call them whatever moments you want, but you put that energy out there. You yourself said it. You yourself wrote it down. God did not write it down. You wrote it down. And when you put that energy out there, that energy will find you in this world, whether we like it or not. That's why your energy matters so much. That's why what you write down matters so much. And what you put that effort into matters immensely. It's hard to not look at your path and go, God damn, I can do it. Because you did not have an easy one and you did not have one that was paved for you. You had two older siblings who <laughs> we talked about this and I had this conversation, you know, you and I teenagers nowadays, we would have been transitioned. Let's be honest with ourselves. Oh yeah. That's a whole nother thing too. That's wild. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it, like I told you before, Jonathan, going back to my parents' house, when he sees photos of me, I know. He is like, wait, who is this? I mean, I wore a sports bra and a wife beater. I was a senior in high school. Like, that's who I was. Well, um, like, let's be honest with ourselves right now. You and I are both wearing adult versions of wife beaters. Like, that's just, we are. It's, we, we, we both just are. <laughs> it's so funny because sometimes I'm always like, dang, I, I should like dress a little more. No, 
but you know, no, the answer is no, nobody would appreciate that. No one would be grateful for that. And no one wants to see that you keep doing exactly what you're doing. You keep showing up the way you show up. Don't you dare change. No, ever. For sure. Yeah, that is, that's, that's definitely, I've, I've learned that for sure. Cause I, I tried that way too, trying to mold in and trying to can't, can't. Why, why you want to do that anyway? Why would you want to be exactly. anybody but yourself? well because sometimes in society it's a little bit easier and you want to be a part of and you want to feel like you're included or, or what whatever nah but nah nobody doing more than you is ever going to shit on anybody below them i tell you right now that's not where oh, the hate comes total. from for sure i i believe that 100 percent. but also being comfortable in your own skin it comes mm -hmm. from doing a lot of that work that sucks and it's hard yeah. it's hard it's a hard thing to look yourself in the mirror and realize you are not a very good person mm -hmm. and you yeah. not make very good decisions and then peel that onion back and, and make the amends when you need to make the amends and, and fix what you can and then learn from it and, and move past. You can't live in pain from your past. You can't, you won't, you won't thrive. No, you won't. And not only that is you can choose to let that be the thing that breaks you down or you can choose to let it be the thing that lifts you up and helps you soar. And that's exactly what you did. And that's why I've been wanting to talk with you because I know your story. A lot of people know your story, but I know the depths of which you had to go to pull yourself out of this, to be the human that you are now and to show up the way that you show up every goddamn day, because you do. It doesn't matter when I call you show up. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You show up. Those around you feel loved because you are the human that you've grown into. And that only comes from the struggle you had to go through to get to that. So I am eternally grateful for your struggle because you have shown others that you can get through it. You can be better and you can do these things that you always wanted to do. If you just had one person around you to tell you, you got this and you had that with your sponsor and now you're doing that for others and now you're doing it on a grand scale which i mean look at yourself 10 years ago could you imagine where you are right now no and i mean my biggest joy is my parents because you know myself and and all my brothers we put them through the ringer and the fact that they just celebrated their 50th year anniversary uh they're a testament of the american dream my mm -hmm. my mom's from uh mexico and she came over here with my grandparents for a better life and they worked their ass off to provide and give myself and my brothers what they never had and uh you know it still kind of kills me the the things that i put them through but but now that i'm sober i can show up for them and that's right. what i do every single day i mean i facetime them every day because they're my everything you know and that's what that is what the beautiful thing about sobriety can give you is that you can show up for the people that uh, you love and love you like you never did before. Yeah. And that's, that's such a beautiful takeaway girl, honestly, but it is our time and that is it. Uh, you know, we'll have you back on. I'll come on yours. We'll do this 900 times more because you're in my life and you're somebody that I, I am so grateful to have in my life as a human being, as a friend, as someone to look up to, as someone to talk shit with, but just as someone to be <laughs> unapologetically myself. Uh, maybe one day we'll get to tell everyone why we met, but until then it's been an absolute pleasure. Can you do me a favor? Even if they already know, let them know how they can go and support the recovery center, how they can support you and everything you do and where they can find anything to follow you. For sure. All my socials are at Natalie Marie on all platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, you can follow the Hopeaholics podcast, um, at the Hopeaholics. And then for the recovery centers, 
you can go to nemrecoverycenters.com as well as i just created because it's so fresh nem recovery on instagram so uh and all the the links and numbers for anybody that is suffering with substance abuse are are dialed in right there for them Okay, perfect. And I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes where everyone can find you and reach out to you for support. And know if you are listening to this and you are tired of living your life through struggle, through alcohol, through drugs, through loss, through grief, you are not alone. You've never been alone and you matter and you need to stay with us. And the ways that you do that is you reach out for help. You are stronger when you ask for help. You are braver when you show up for yourself because that means that you will no longer bleed on those around you. So let's get you some help and support. You stick with me. Everyone else, we'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.